Welcome back to Timely, the Randomonium podcast, where three friends talk about random, fun topics from the past, the present, and the future. I am producer Jeff McCullough. I am bringing the past segment today, and I am going to be talking about the history and the evolution of the English language with audio. So I'm going to be using audio to show you how English has evolved over the past 2,000 years. I am Danny Gula, and I am bringing the present segment. And today, we're going to talk about how a little girl may have just thwarted one of the longest-running conspiracy theories of all time. Thwarted? I, I don't know if it's all time. I kind of... I, I kind of I embellished that a little bit, but yeah. yeah, but I mean, either way, a little girl may have thwarted a conspiracy theory. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm John Stom, and for the future segment, we're going to be talking about something that I am not super happy about. It's kind of bleak. Um, oh. The extinction of coffee. <gasps> no. Oh, I've heard. No. A little bit. I don't want to talk about it. I'm in denial already. Well, it's happening in the future, so oh, don't worry about it right now. Is it after I die? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we're talking about it in the near future. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're all going to be tea people later. Ugh. All right. Well, before we get into that, we want to thank our sponsor, FAO Schwartz. That's right. They have an amazing, and by amazing, I'm not just talking about how it's a cool plush line, but it is an unbelievable plush line when it comes to how they've created plush for Earth Day. Yeah. And I mean, I think over the course of working with FAO Schwartz during the launch of our YouTube channel, we've gotten to experience a lot of their plush. And it's safe to say it's very good quality and it's usually rem- like remarkably soft with some exceptions of ones that I think were designed to have sparkles and things in yeah, them. Yeah. But the, 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 they are just remarkable plushes. They're super soft and these were amazing because they're made for Earth Day and they're made out of water bottles. Yeah. Plastic. It's like, an entire plush line made out of recycled water bottles. It's incredible. And somehow it's as soft as Egyptian cotton. Check out the latest line of FAO plush for Earth Day available now at Target. Alright. You guys gonna go into the past? Let's rewind it. Let's do it. Hello. We're going back far, guys. Okay. See, a lot of times when we say, hey, guys, welcome to the past. Are we, I can tell with the music. Are we going back to Sherwood Forest? Dude, we're going way back. Yeah, this is this is before Sherwood Forest. Yeah, mm. for sure. Okay, so as you guys know, I have an obsession with all things England. You're an Anglophile. I'm an Anglophile, hugely. And um, I have a fascination with the English language, the evolution of the English language. And as I've been doing some, like, watching some YouTube videos on this. And there's this guy that I like to watch on YouTube. Uh, his his channel's called uh, Lost in the Pond. He's a British guy who lives in like Illinois, Indiana, okay. who talks about the differences between American English and British English and like even bedrooms and yeah. bathrooms and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's really fascinating. I love um, that stuff. So I went down a rabbit trail of like the history of the English language and it is really fascinating. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some audio examples of how English has evolved through the years. Ooh, okay. okay. Now, I know you guys, you might know some of these answers, but how long has English been around? So, for example, ancient like mm. Chinese languages have been around for yeah. millennium, right? right? Right. How long has English been a language? Well, William Shakespeare wrote in English. That's right. And that was 
1400s? But no. what is what is Old English? Old English is a different language okay. than English. So that's pre-Shakespeare. Yeah. Okay. So, but 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 that's after like the um, the Celts, right? Yeah. I am trying to figure out my timeline here. I don't know. I'd say Old English was maybe like let's say like the Middle Ages, and then Shakespeare is like the what like the 14, 1400s? 1500s. I should know this because my wife was way into Shakespeare. So it's almost the reason why you're struggling with this answer is because technically it, there was not like a point when English started. It's been the evolution yeah. and the com- combination of a lot of different languages. So we can't talk about the history of the English language without talking about the history of England. Mm-hmm. That's where English, English language comes from. So here's the deal. Before, uh, like the zero, what, what year, is that zero AD or BC? Like what, what, mm. would, what do you call it? Zero? Before I think zero is just zero. Zero. The Romans invaded the British Isles. Prior to that, it was filled with just a bunch of native people that, that spoke Celtic languages. So that would be, in, for Americans, the equivalent to Native Americans, right? Right. Um, so then the Romans come in, and they spoke what you would call vulgar Latin. So it has almost nothing to do with English. They just spoke through, that's the language that was spoken by the Roman Empire at that time, right? So they were there for about 400 years. In 450, the Romans pulled out of the British Isles, Went back to around Italy area to defend the Roman Empire because it's pretty much falling at this point. Right. And that's when Germanic tribes from like north uh, western Europe in the areas of what is now like Germany and whatnot started to come over and essentially live where the Romans once were. So that's where you get like the Goths, the Vandals, the Angles, the Saxons, the Lombards, the Franks. They're all settling there and they spoke a Germanic language. Now here's the deal with that. That right. doesn't mean they spoke German. Right, because... German wasn't even a thing yet either. Right. right. Now, German came from the Germanic languages, but so did English. And we all know that German and English are two very different languages, all right? Right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play you a clip of what pre-English Germanic sounded like. So before you get into that, so then is English considered then a... It's not considered then a Germanic or a Romantic language then? It's not a Romantic. Romantic is separate. It is just a Germanic language. That's where it came from. Now, there's Romantic-like elements in there, which I'll get to, but it's Germanic. So here's a little... um, It's kind of an excerpt of a reading that I'm going to read in the way that we would say it, and then you're going to hear how somebody in pre-English Germanic would would say it, okay? okay? So here we go. In the middle of the table against the woven cloths upon the wall, there was a chair under a canopy, and there sat a lady fair to look upon, and so like was she in form of the womanhood to the king that... Edmund guessed that she was one of his close relatives. She was young, yet not so. So we all understood what was said there. It was a little fancy, but we all understood. She was a pretty lady that looked like his relatives. She wasn't that old. Yeah, there you go. All right, so here's how that would have sounded in about 500 AD in a pre-English Germanic language. Here we go. In thaspiaras midle, huthor wevanoime riflaman famwale, dar setlaundar was. Is this backwards? If you're from independent yet. All right. sounds so far from English. It's very far. There's like from Germany. The word was is a word that like matches and like young is kind of spelled with like a J or something like that. But other than that, you can't understand what they're saying. No. That's like. Very far from English. That seriously sounded like Missy Elliott being like, you haven't been here from Jam yet? <laughs> now, here's the amazing thing. That was like, there's Germanic languages, right? Okay, now, here's what happens. And there's like a massive, over the next 500 years, huge evolution. And here's why there's an evolution. So we're starting with Germanic language. They're moving into an area that used to speak Latin. 
So if you start mixing Germanic and Latin, okay. stuff starts going on. And you have the natives, the Celtic languages. Right. So you've got Germanic, Celtic, and Latin. And the Celtic languages are like the uh, Scots, Irish, and the Welsh, That's right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we start getting invaded. So all those Germanic tribes that settled there start getting invaded first and foremost by the Vikings who bring Scandinavian words into it. And then in 1066, we all know, if you're from Britain, you know what happened in 1066. These guys probably don't, but 1066 was a big year. What it's was a big it, deal. Charlemagne? Um, Somebody got no. stabbed in the head? No, well, <laughs> probably. It was the Middle Ages. Uh, the Norman invasion. Oh, right. oh William, the Normans. Yeah, I thought you meant the other thing. William the Conqueror, right? Yeah, yeah. Who was from Normandy, France, who spoke French. So now here's what you got. You How'd had, you like to be his little brothers? Like, why can't you be more like your brother William and conquer, <laughs> conquer things? <laughs> He's always conquering. They call him the conqueror. That his mother was from New York. From Brooklyn. From, from, they, from they, call you, they call you Jerry the Loafer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have Germanic mixed with Celt, Latin, Scandinavian, and French. That was like a massive evolution, okay? That's where you get Old English. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, once that all that happens, you then get um, sort of a settling down of the language, and here's an interesting thing. Did you know that the monarchy in England from that time on for like the next few hundred years didn't speak English? They spoke French. I did know that. Yeah. So the royal language. Yeah. So like all the commoners spoke English, but all of the because that's people. kind of the separation between the highbrow English words, like why we have formal words and right. less formal words in English. So, and that's why English, as we know it now, has so many synonyms yeah. more than any other language because you've got some German uh, Germanic type of words, you got French words, you've got and the French words were the highbrow versions of the words, yeah, right? That's yeah. right. Okay, so this is what that little phrase uh, at the first part of this, so like right after the, the Norman conquest, is what it would have sounded like. In the middle of the table, a contrawoven drapery is upon the wall. There was a cedar mm-hmm. under a canopy, and there sat a lad a fire at the mirror, and semblable so was she in womanly hader to the king that Edmund guessed that she was of his next folder. Young she was, and yet not yeah, so. I mean, I can understand yeah, a yeah, lot of that. I can understand that. most uh-huh. of that. It sounded like a weird Scottish. Accent. Yeah. So at this point in this phase, so we're talking the uh, Norman Conquest all the way to the 1500s, there's a massive sort of evolution taking place called the Great Vowel Shift. So where we kind of, we kind of could understand some of those words, um, the vowels were still a little bit different than how we would pronounce them. Right. right. So the latter part of that, so this is when we're getting into like Henry VIII mm-hmm. era and... Um, Richard III and the War of the Roses. This is a little bit more, this is a little closer to what they would have sounded like, okay. the late okay. Middle English. In the middle of the table, a counterwoven drapery upon the wall, there was a sid under a canopy, and there sat a lad, a fire at the mirror, and semblably so was she in womanly head to the king, that it munda guessed that she was of his next fold. Young she was, and yet not so. So the so this English that's being spoken there would be like the common tongue, and the and the nobles would still be speaking French at this yeah, point. Yeah, although at the in I think around the fifteen or sixteen hundreds, the monarchy sometimes they spoke French, sometimes they spoke English. Okay. So like the Georges, King George, the one who was king when the Americans revolted, had yeah, the revolution, the, the great American enemy. King. Yeah, he spoke English, but his father barely spoke any. He spoke French. Wow. So yeah, it kind of went back and forth at this point. Interesting. All right, okay. so now we're at a phase. This is like. The, the great vowel shift is happening. It's 1500 to about 1700. Queen Elizabeth I, William Shakespeare, um, the King James Bible is written in this time. The pilgrims are now migrating from England to America. This is what all of those individuals would have sounded like. 
In the middle of the table, against the woven cloths upon the wall, there was a chair under a canopy, and there sat a lady fair to look upon, and so like was she in form of womanhood to the king that Edmund guessed she was own of his close kindred. Young she was, and yet not so. I understand every single one yeah. of those words. It sounds kind of like a some kind of Irish or Scottish accent. But that's the thing that's interesting about it, because did you did you catch on what I said that Shakespeare was of that time? Yeah. So normally whenever we hear like Shakespeare, like, Romeo, where art thou? It's like this very, what we'll talk about in a second, called the received pronunciation, this like mm-hmm. very posh yeah. and sophisticated uh, British accent. That wasn't around yet. So Shakespeare would have sounded more like this. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our hard sin, R, the from ancient grudge bracked new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil lands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventures piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's end not could remove, as now the two oars traffic of our stage. The which, if you with patient ears attend, what ears shall miss, our tile shall strive to mend. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Definitely sounds kind of like a peasant language. Like I feel like in movies, uh, at least in American movies, we kind yeah. of use that accent as sort of like the the peasant Brit. Well, right. I, I remember a long time ago being like, man, I wish we never lost our accents because I don't like the American accent compared to the, the English accents. And um, and somebody's like, no, it's, it's actually the opposite. That English accent was developed later. Yeah. So, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But the interesting about that too as well is that from like 1700 to 1800, the Americans had sort of preserved that hard rhotic R. Yeah. So that means that the... There's a strong belief that the founding fathers, the mm. the drafters of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, they actually sounded more Irish than British or even American as we understand it now. Yeah, I've heard that uh, the Boston accent is pretty Not, similar. No? no, 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 because that that Boston accent has a soft R, soft R a yeah. non rhotic R. Okay. Here's what we think the declar- the guys who did the Declaration of Independence probably sounded like. Okay. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's guard entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the cowers which impel them to the separation. You know what that sounds like? What's that? A blend of like Irish and like the South, the American yeah. South. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, like yeah. a Georgia. Like kind of got a yep. little sweetness. That's considered a North Virginian <clears throat> accent. So George Washington, Thomas Jefferson would have sounded like that. Wow. That makes sense. That does make sense. And I and I've also heard that too. Like the southern accent shares a lot of things with older American and British accent. That's right. It's going to sound a little bit more Irish. So to sort of wrap this up, really, from this point on, it's actually not until the mid-1800s or the early to mid-1800s that the elites in England, and there's a whole thing around this that I won't get into. Our friend Gus, if he were here, he would would show us... Show us the truth on all that because he knows about all this. Yeah, yeah. He, he fact checks our podcast to us personally. That's if you're right. watching us, just drop us a comment, man. Set us straight. 
So the British elites wanted to have a more sophisticated, posh-sounding way to speak to separate them from the commoners. So that's where you get the received pronunciation, which is essentially the British accent that we know today. Okay. I know we're moving away from the evolution of English language to like accents, but this is you know the non-rhotic R. So instead of far and car, it's fa and ca. Um, elongated vowels. So like where Americans say ah, like bath. Bath. The Brits will say bath. Apple. 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 Uh, or instead of uh, we say lost or closet, they're like lost, lost. or closet. Mm-hmm. Um, enunciating every consonant. So where we say February, yeah. they say February. They say like every consonant. Aluminium. That's right. And then last but not least, the we put an E where there's a Y, like finale. And they put an S sound. So it's like finale. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. right? Yeah. Finale. So the last thing that I will say about this, which is really interesting, in America... There are three main regions of our country that don't have a rhotic R. Okay. I can okay. Get, let me guess. You guess them. There's you, three. Got, you, you got Boston. Where'd you Boston. pack the car? Pack the car and have a yard. Okay. Like the Georgia Southern accent, like that? No. The south. Like, no, they, they, they have a hard R. Strangers. Though. They still have a, a, a rhotic they R. sometimes, like, drop it, though. Ka. Ka. Um, hmm. What would that be? American? And then you're saying there's regions of it. Yeah, there's three main regions that don't have a rhotic R. What do they say in, how do they say it in Fargo? They would say... Mm, that's a really so hard, hard R. It's a hard R there. Um, e there. You're close. You're close in Boston. E there. Yeah. Really? New York. Oh, New, New York. York. Hey, what yeah. are you doing in New York? New York. We're going is, to Brooklyn. Yeah. Not New York. New York. It's yeah. New York. Right? New York. And yeah. the third area, you were, you're in the right region in the south, but it's not Georgia. Like the Carolinas? No. Okay, I'm off. Mobile, Alabama? No, you're getting closer. Nolans. Nolans. They don't have a hot odd on Nolans. Oh, yeah, like it's that not, Cajun accent. Yeah, and the not. reason why is because the three main ports, whenever received pronunciation was coming about in England, in America, were New York, Boston, and New Orleans. Makes so sense. they lose the hard R. Yeah. There you go. That's right. So the so the elitist Brits were trading in those ports, and that influenced those that's accents. Right. That's right. Wow. That's awesome. Never thought about that. So the cool thing is about the English, like we always were really down on the English language because it's really hard. It doesn't make sense a lot of times, but it, at the same time, this is the reason why it doesn't make sense. It's like six different languages that are based in a Germanic language mm-hmm. that then kind of evolved based on the fact that it was spoken in two different parts of the world. And don't even get me started on the difference between Australian, British, and English, or American accents. Don't get you started. Don't, don't get, get me started, started guys. <laughs> nar. <laughs> I won't do that nar. Coffee. We're going to talk about coffee in a little bit. It's uh, right. That's Dude, like that's like the Bernie Sanders accent. Thank yeah. you for doing that because I've always been like, what did the founding fathers sound like? I always imagined that because I'd heard it was different, but I didn't think yeah. of looking up mm-hmm. people recreating the recordings. They're like incredible. Southern Irish people, cool. Like Southern Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> you know the su- the South and country music shares a lot with Irish music too. So all that all that's this true. is just making tons of sense to me. Yeah, there it's you clicking. Go. That's right. Well, let's uh, move on to the present and see if uh, this little girl can save us from our weird accents. I don't know. That's a horrible transition. That there, was but, really weird. Um, I'm <laughs> well, going to talk about a little girl in a little bit. We'll I'll try to we'll try transition a little bit better than that. Okay. Why don't like. you go, John? <laughs> what do you got? You How got about something better? I got one. I got one. Speaking mm-hmm. of the present. Oh, got oh, it. Oh, I see what you Why don't we go there? Love okay, it. Okay, there it is. Okay. So today, guys, today there's a little girl that's in the news, and I'm going to tell you what she's in the news for in a second. But before I get there, I want to talk about a conspiracy 
that not a lot of us talk about because it doesn't really affect guys like us, but why don't women's pants have pockets on them? They don't? So many women's pants do not have at so. least front pockets. A okay. lot of times, not functional back pockets. They're just they they're jeans that look like pockets. My and wife complains about all the time how like dresses like they're just now starting to put like pockets in dresses because they're right. very practical and like for so long they just didn't have pockets and right. yeah in the pockets on their pants from what I can tell are like small or useless or they frequently just go to like a couple fingertips in there really yeah they don't they don't go very far ask your wife about it okay at some point is it is it because women traditionally have wore like they carry purses or bags around so that's where the conspiracy gets in the mm. conspiracy gets in that the fashion industry has uh, perpetuated this pocketless lifestyle oh. in order to sell handbags. Whoa. Oh. I mean, it adds up. That makes sense. Think about the most expensive accessory that is like basically that women are told you have to own. Purse. Coach. Purse. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to buy these, like you have no pockets that can hold anything. You can, you, so you have to get this bag to hold all these other things, but the bag costs a lot of money too. Yeah. It's just... It's it's just annoying, like to to be perfectly frank. So like the question is, is why why are they doing this, and who's behind it? <laughs> who's behind it? Uh, and then, I never thought of this as a conspiracy. I just thought it was just sort of this weird old, you know. You you need to hang out with my wife more. She will go off on this conspiracy. The Versace okay. behind the fashion curtain. Yeah, yeah. Seriously though, like that's the real concern. Is like this keeps going on, but now like women are like, hang on, dresses with pockets. That seems easy. Yeah, my wife's wedding dress had pockets, and it was like her favorite thing about it. She couldn't stop talking about it. It was it's awesome. Her wedding dress had pockets. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, and so to go back on that, to think about that, why women's pants don't have pockets, or at least functional pockets, they actually used to have bigger pockets than men. Yeah. Oh, that, like, that adds to the conspiracy. Yeah. So like, way back when, early 20th century, and. And, and before, like, it wasn't uncommon for women to have pockets, especially if they're wearing any kind of pants, which wasn't super common, but would be worn for specific activities and things like that. If you think about the pants in those days, baggy, kind of billowy, yeah. kind of baggy. Mm -hmm. So they had these gigantic pockets in them that they could keep stuff in, uh, bigger than men's. But as fashion changed, um, everything became more form-fitting. And the explanation that you'll hear from the fashion industry is that Fashion has always has always favored the look over the function, form like form over function, form over function. Okay, sure. okay. Um, just because like it's about the style, it's about this, and that's the difference. That they'd say that's the difference between women's and men's fashion. Women's fashion was much more fashion, like meant to be about fashion. Men's sure. were utility. Um, so that's where the thing came. It wasn't a nefarious reason to sell handbags. It was just fashion changed to be more form-fitting, and it didn't make sense to put these bulky pockets on pants anymore or dresses or whatever. So I guess the assumption is being made then that women care more about the fashionable side of things mm -hmm. than the function. Like yeah. they're, that's what they're wanting. That's what they're, that's that's where that's the what demand they're claiming. Is. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I get into that. What do you guys think? It's hard to broad brush, right? Right. Yeah, it seems it doesn't seem quite right either because it's like even if you make I'm I'm just picturing jeans. Like if you make skinny jeans, you can fit pockets. Like my right. my jeans are fairly skinny, like yep. pretty skinny. Um, you know, they're not like leggings or something where they're like suctioned onto my legs, but they're pretty pretty tight and like they've got regular size normal big pockets. But even still, the the pocket of a piece of jean of a pair of jeans is so thin. Yeah. You could fit that in a pair of form-fitting jeans. I don't understand why you can't. You don't have room for the pockets. That I'm just realizing now that I didn't. I didn't know this. Like, really? but now that I'm thinking about it, my wife, like, I always keep my phone in my front pocket. Right. 
And she never, ever does. She always keeps it in a back pocket. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why. Her pockets probably aren't big enough for her phone. She has inferior pockets. Huh. Yeah. Are they inf- inferior? To Ooh. regular size pockets. That's yeah. a... We're getting just throwing around some, some words. Well, I word. know we're getting we're giving women inferior clothing because we, well, it depends on how you slice inferior. Like maybe they're functionally inferior, but they're stylistically superior. But to John's point, like my jeans are pretty skinny. Yeah, wh- why do you? I guess yeah. My point is like, why do you have to sacrifice the utility for the form? I don't think sure. you. Yeah, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. No. It doesn't seem like it. It inhibits it. Yeah, I mean, I know like when you get tighter pants, like you can kind of see the pocket in there a little bit, but. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's I, a weird one. I don't know, but it has pockets is like the biggest thing. So that brings me up to why I'm talking about this now in the present, which is a first grader, a sweet little first grader. I have a daughter in first grade. Yeah. Um, her name was uh, Cameron Gardner. Uh, she wrote a letter to Old Navy. She had just learned about persuasive writing. Nice. And so she had to write a persuasive writing, uh, a persuasive letter this is great. for school. So I'm going to read you this letter that she wrote. Dear Old Navy. I'm going to read it, print it out, because she's got good penmanship, but, you know, somebody took She that. wrote it as a first grader? She wrote it as a first grader. Dear Old Navy, I do not like that the front pockets of girls' jeans are fake. I want fr- front pockets because I want to put my hands in them. I would also like to put things in them. Would you consider making girls' jeans with front pockets that are not fake? Thank you for reading my request. Wow. It's persuasive. That is persuasive. Like, yeah. I mean, there was nothing offensive, angry, mean, or just it was very just, hi. This is what I would like. Would you consider doing it? Yeah. This is the reason why I would like it. Yeah. Here's the best part about this story, though. The company responded, uh, and they sent her a little card. It said, in, a, in appreciation, please accept some girls' bottoms for you to enjoy. Cameron, thank you so much for taking the time to write us about pockets on girls' jeans. The Old Navy Kids product team appreciates your information and it's great feedback as we develop new products. Thank you. And the whole, the whole, the team signed it and they sent her a bunch of jeans with actual pockets. That's awesome. Great. Good job, um, Old Navy. And I don't know if they had a few pairs that did or if they went through the, the time to fix the jeans so they had bigger pockets. But the, the moral of the story is this fir- first grader actually con- convinced Old Navy, a large company, to, ch- like, to work on their policy. That's great. Persuasive. Yeah, so she didn't necessarily. Um, you said that she basically revealed that the controversy. She, uh, I said, she took down a conspiracy or whatever. I don't remember how I, I guess, worded it. I guess it. she sort of did. She, <laughs> yeah. she went right to fashion and yeah. said enough. And I think that's so great too as a message to our kids because it can be really easy. Some people get really offended uh, if you talk about kids and getting them involved in social causes or things that they believe in. But it's like if it's a belief that you share as a parent and you want to share that with your child. And and I think it's a great thing to teach children that young that you have a voice and you can be heard if you learn how to use it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like a respectful letter. There was nothing like, yeah, like you said, there was nothing. It's great. You know, the thing that bugs me about what a lot of people do, like adults on social media, is they'll just complain in order to get their way. Like I see this all the time with mm-hmm. people when they when they fly or they had a, you know, a missed, uh, delayed flight, for instance. I see this all the time, people complaining on like Twitter, like American right. Airlines, thanks for delaying my flight by 30 minutes. It's like, a, you know, the corporation didn't do that. There was some problem with the plane. Like, right. And there's there's better ways to handle it. As we've seen by this girl's, like, respect and her tact and her persuasion, like, you can be, you can be better. Well, what I'm gathering, even from what you're saying, because I agree with that, is that, like, a lot of times when adults 
complain. It's out of the sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Like, I deserve this, and you let me down, so you better fix it. Yeah. Where she's just saying, um, I would like this. It makes sense. Can I please have it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just put it out there. She's like, this is this is why I would like it. Like, here's some good reasons. We can we, learn. What do you think? We good can job, Cameron. Children. Great job. Way to go. Uh, I'm very proud of uh, young Cameron, and if she's if she hears this somehow, yeah, c- congratulations on, on a win for women all, all over the world. Absolutely. Cool. Well, on that, that note, was a good. That was a good topic. Thank you. I feel like we're we're jiving today. We're like, yeah. we're in the pocket. I just I just felt so good when I read that. I was like, I gotta. Oh, hang on. Yeah, you missed it. I got there. You, you weren't in the pocket with us. I wasn't no, in the you pocket. In the no, pocket. You nope. The pun. nope. You, know, you know what else was great about I'll, this segment? I'll, 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 I'll get the next joke <laughs> in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Into the future. Into the future. Welcome to the future. In the year 2000, it could do be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are robots. I'm, I'm not a robot, so I'm, I'm still a human. Don't you think we should talk to the humans? When should we tell him he's also a robot? Does not compute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me ask you guys this very bleak question. What's a worse future for coffee? Super expensive or super crappy? Oh, those are the only choices. Those are your choices. What is it? <sighs> what's worse? What's a worse future for you? So, 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 give me my choices again. It's it's super expensive, or it's super crappy. Super crappy. Like I like a good coffee. I'll pay for good you'll, coffee. You'll pay for it. Okay. You'd so so it's worse if it's super crappy. Yeah, that's probably true. See, no, 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 no. Because if it becomes super expensive, you won't get it. That's not true. Why not? He said super expensive. Well, but like we'll figure it out. <laughs> no, you won't. You'll start but, drinking soda. Uh, and energy drinks. Nobody will drink that. And here's the thing. So I'd rather it be super crappy because you could at least church it up with some syrups and make some lattes probably. Like you can you can take some some kind of bad coffee and 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 make it taste good with other things. I think yeah. what you're speaking to is that like what's worse, not having it as often but having a good cup of coffee mm. or you can have it like you need your caffeine, so you get it every day, but it doesn't taste great. True, and maybe there'll be maybe there's some polarization here. I just True. I don't I haven't thought about this, but like what if it's like steak? You know, like yeah, yeah. you don't have it very often. It's more expensive, but it's delicious. Versus like a hamburger, you know. So maybe you've got different kinds. Yeah, I I I, I stick with my answer. Okay, I'd rather have how good quality often, coffee. How often do y'all eat steak? You eat it a lot. I know you eat tons of steak, so no, you, you're the outlier here. I eat it like maybe once a month. Yeah, okay, me too. My steak budget's the same as like your cooling budget. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's uh, that's expensive. Okay, um, the problem here is that coffee is going extinct. It, it's yep. it, what are you talking about? Uh, I, I've heard of this. It's, I'm panicking. I'm gonna. I I I, I don't. Exactly. Remember why? I well, think it's climate, right? It's a lot of things: climate change, deforestation, droughts, you know, all the all the bad things. It's you know human caused, but it's also just the, the Earth is warming up and all that all that oh. stuff. So, the, the weird thing about all this uh, that I'm learning is that coffee has different species, just like animals or whatever. Um, there's different kinds of coffee beans. Um, the one that we all drink that that everyone you know talks about every time you see when you're buying coffee, it's also, it says arabica, right? Like you've seen that word. Like that's the most the most yep. popular kind of bean. It's like regarded as the most. I didn't flavorful. realize that's what that was. That's a species. There are other species of coffee which okay. I don't know that I've ever had them. 
All I feel like I've ever had is arabica. I, I thought that was the one. But it only grows in a specific area. Yeah. Right? Well, there's lots of di- yeah. There's only certain places in the world that it, it grows. I mean, it's lots of different countries, but yeah, yeah. Um, but like, it's like a certain like range climate. of climate. Yeah. The yeah. latitude and longitude. It's right near the equator in uh-huh. Africa and stuff, uh, South America. So. It's it, yeah. In ten to twenty years, many of these different species—ten to twenty years—many of these different species are going to be extinct. Wait, okay, hold on a second. It's so it's just slow down. So few now, years. Now, Arabica. I'll I'll just give you. Uh, um, that sounds super bleak, but Arabica's got a little longer projected lifespan, more like seventy-five years. Oh, okay. I'll be dead. <laughs> so you don't care as long as you're. Gone. What about our kids? Danny? I mean, I don't yeah. care as much if I'm being honest. Our kids need if coffee. You, if you think that you care. As much about what happens after you die as what happens right now, you're a liar. Then why do you recycle? Oh! I didn't say I care because I care <laughs> about the future. I just say, as far as this coffee thing goes, it's kind of a first world Whatever. problem. Yeah. It, it, well, okay, we have time to adjust. Why? Why can't they build giant greenhouses to grow the coffee? That's to like the expensive part. Perfect environment. It's harder than it sounds. No, I don't, I no, don't, it's not. I, I, no, I wish that wasn't the case, but. The world's best scientists are on it. The thing that they puts, better be. The thing that puts me at ease is that coffee is big business. Like as we know, I drink coffee every day, like multiple yeah. cups a day. Um, so do you? And yep. you, you, I drink like one or maybe two. Okay, so we all, and my wife, and I mean everybody, most Americans drink a lot of coffee. That's pretty well known. Um, Starbucks on every corner, that kind of thing. So it's big business. I gotta believe that the scientists and you know the ones that are being paid by the Starbucks of the world are trying to figure this out, which is that gives me a little hope. But I have read that it's not as easy to just sort of recreate it in a greenhouse as it seems. Really? Now, the thing is, they're also working on um, genetically modifying the beans. Yeah, Yeah, I was about to say, if we make cultured meat, why can't we make cultured coffee beans? I think we might get there. Okay. They're working on that, genetically modifying the beans so that they can be grown in more um, climates that are, like, you know, less favorable to to, uh, where they are now. So, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. I'm just um, imagining everybody's caffeine addiction is so bad that um, the world is willing to build the most extravagant, large-scale biodomes to yeah, grow coffee. I could see, I could see us getting there. Is it about the caffeine, though? I mean, coffee, yes. coffee is more than caffeine. No, Danny. it's not. Yes, it is. It's about the coffee. You're the one that's told me this before. Like just having a warm cup of coffee in the morning. Like there's something comforting about it. The smell. Yep. It's you, not just the caffeine. You only drink it for the caffeine. You don't I even mean, like the taste. No, I love it. But I'm telling you, I love it because of the caffeine. Like, well, then why don't you just... When was the first time... You, I mean, John's a weirdo who ate coffee-flavored ice cream. Like, That's not no, weird. No kid eats... Don't be mean to my friend John. Yeah. No kid ate coffee-flavored ice cream except so you're for John. That everybody that gets into coffee thinks it's disgusting, and they just force themselves to drink it because they need the caffeine. That's what you think. Either they think it's cool, they get into some weird Frappuccino drink that's barely coffee. Like, it... It takes over like it's an, like anything that's an acquired taste. It's almost always something that you're getting addicted to. I mean, I think there, I definitely think there's an addiction to it because it's it's caffeine. But I mean, like if you just were addicted to caffeine, you could get that any other way, like soda or whatever. You I, have I, to, I think that's why you wouldn't have to drink something that you think is gross. Well, I think that's why energy drinks have taken off lately is because there's become these alternate ways to get caffeine. But I would argue that energy drinks are more disgusting than coffee tasting. Yes, have you, absolutely. Have you ever drank a Red Bull? It's gross. Okay, like, first of all, I love Red Bull. See, this is my point. It's like you're really into like sugary, sweet, yeah, yeah, like sugary soda, soda, drinks, soda yeah, yeah. things. But also like the lemonade one that I drink all the time, the Rockstar, it just tastes like lemonade. No, it's got energy drink flavor too. I think you just you're you're blinded by your caffeine. Probably, probably <laughs> blinded by your caffeine. Yeah. Probably. 
And I only drink those when it gets real bad. And the reality <laughs> is, like with the rise, like energy drinks weren't a thing whenever I was a kid, right? I remember yeah. the first. Remember the first energy drink? What it was? Jolt. Uh, Jolt Cola, oh, yeah. man. It was like a Coke that had more caffeine in it, right? And yeah. then it like increased all these other like Monster, Rockstar. What what was the one that you guys used to drink whenever we'd play shows and you'd have to stay up all night to drive? Um that, I think it was Rockstar. That was, Rockstar was that Rockstar? Yeah, okay. That was an energy drink. Well, regardless, like with the rise of caffeinated energy drinks or mm -hmm. even like five hour energy drink, mm -hmm. you've not seen a decrease in coffee consumption. The same amount of people are drinking coffee, which shows that it's not just that people need other ways to get is their that caffeine. True? Yeah, dude, there's Starbucks. On, there was like no well, Starbucks around here. Well, until, I know, but that's also just our ty the types of coffee that we that we consume has changed. Too. I'm pretty sure, and I have nothing to back this up. I actually think that we had a conversation at some point that coffee drinkage is higher now than it's ever been. But how does that compare to population growth is my question. I'm just saying you would think with the increase in the options to get caffeine sure. that coffee would naturally like go down mm -hmm. in demand. But it's dude, anybody and everybody got to have their coffee. I know. But my thing is like, think about the stereotype of the person who is crabby is all get out until they've had their morning cup. Well, yeah, it does have an effect on you. I think it's both. Like, I'm yeah, not saying that sure. I don't think that caffeine is like, you know, doesn't have any effect on you or that people are not like in need of it when they first wake up just to function. Like a lot of people are that bad. But I think it's also, I think it's delicious. I don't think it like turns yeah. off your your ability to recognize its flavor. Yeah, but I think it's hard for us as humans to determine. Sorry, th this is totally, I'm just thinking like a snapshot into our friendship, by the way. Like, yeah. just like we've just got to work this out. We got to work this out. But I, I think it's hard as humans to separate our chemical addiction to something when it affects us in so much ways that caffeine does, giving us the serotonin kicks, give, like giving you every, like making you the, like, feel good is chemical responses yeah but i think that's that all plays into everything like you could you could make sure. that same argument about steak then it's you like, could say that about ice cream sure. like we're not just talking about sugar are we talking about serotonin or are we talking about caffeine well sugar is incredibly addictive too so i don't i don't know about that sugar is incredibly I'm pretty addictive, sure yeah. it is it's in, yeah. it's it's wildly it's almost as bad as caffeine yeah okay i'd, but, like, to, I'd like to see some studies on that yeah i'll show you okay. some Oh, I mean, not, is I mean, that a threat? We we could right now, but I mean, like everything we eat has sugar in it. So oh, how, no. I mean, so I mean, how do you even quantify that? We like, consume sugar more than we ever have. Yeah, it's in bread. It's in everything. So like, yeah. how do you? I don't know. So are we just all addicted to it? Like at that I think point, a, I think a majority of uh, Americans are. If everything to we it, eat yeah. has sugar in it, and you can't not eat sugar, then how, how is that even? It crosses the line between addiction and just like it's just part of life. You just have. It's just well. I think you, I know when you when people try to cut out sugar, though, I hear it can be really difficult. It's, it's really like saying hard, like right. hydrogen is like <laughs> we're addicted to hydrogen. You, you did a whole thirty before. <laughs> Like, it's in our oxygen. It's in our water. You have to have it. You did a whole thirty before. How did it feel when you cut all? There's, it? there's still sugar and stuff. Not much. There's tons of sugar in fruit. No, I know, I know. But I mean, talking about, I, I think at that point people are getting into refined sugar. Is the, is what how people are separating that? Okay. Well, refined I don't, sugar. Anyways, I don't know. But I, I'm totally, you know, speaking out of things that I don't know anything about. But yeah, I just think it's interesting that you don't think that people think coffee's delicious. No, I think they do. But I think it's really hard to determine where that line is between addiction and just i enjoy it I, I think that's blurred a lot more than people think going back to the original question though that you asked when you started the segment like there are certain we get k-cups up here when we use our keurig there are certain k-cups that i've tried and i will not drink again because they taste like muddy puddle water sure and there's others it's like in k-cups they're always just a little bit but like mm. when you have a good cup of coffee and yeah, it's got yeah, that yeah. roasty just nice comforting mm. thing going on that's not just a caffeine like i would drink a I would drink a really good decaf cup of coffee if it I was had just, a good taste. I was just going to say. Yeah. I would I would argue, I mean, we could. this would be hard to quantify again, but like I would argue that 
I could do a year of decaf and still enjoy it just as much. I, we, I, I we think need, I could We too. need to find a delicious decaf brand to sponsor this experiment. You know what I like? I like Starbucks uh, decaf Americanos. I get those sometimes. They're really good. Could that I, that could blows I, my mind making espresso out of decaf coffee. But again, I will get an Americano decaf like if it's later in the day so I because I want to sleep at night and I get just as much enjoyment out of yeah. it as it's in the morning with caffeine. The, the process of making espresso that makes some fine coffee. I've, I've been really getting into Americanos lately. That's John's jam. And I've got an espresso at home and I love it. What are your preferred coffees? You like Pete's, right? I like Pete's coffee. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, I don't have a preferred brand. I mean, I like and Starbucks has me. I think they also put like cocaine or something in their yeah, coffee probably. because once you've had it, they're sure, 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 sure. I love Starbucks. Yeah. No, I, I drink, I, I almost exclusively drink Nespresso things, and I think I don't know where they get their coffee from, but it's like a fancy Keurig. I think we need to do an experiment. I think we, maybe not a year, but maybe like a month. I'm into it. Yeah. It's long enough to, to break the so called addiction yeah. to caffeine, where we feel like comfortable with saying, like, okay, you're, you're definitely not addicted to the caffeine anymore. Yeah. Are you just drinking this because you like it? I don't know. There's I, something there. I actually do know someone who has a morning cup every day, decaf, every morning. Really? But they have to have it because it's that warm drink mm -hmm. that they sure. they just enjoy. But did they did they start that? Did they get that feeling? Did they develop that habit that created that serotonin kick in their head that rewards them when they finally do this thing? So it's Pavlov's dog. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. It's yeah. like, did well, that yeah, start from an addiction but, standpoint, and now it's become something that you can trick your brain into enjoying because of... Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think it's, I think it's a lot more complicated than it's addiction or not. Yeah, like I think a lot. I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I think it, the line is blurred. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know what we're gonna I do without be. our coffee though. When it's when all when all the coffee goes extinct, I don't know what we're gonna do. Of all the dystopias we've talked about, this is the worst. This is the scariest. <laughs> you, you know what though? That was a good settlement to that argument. You go, you could be right. I go, I might be. Like neither of us made it. <laughs> we argued about something for a long time. At the end of it, you're like, you could be right. Yeah, maybe. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> could be. It doesn't <laughs> happen often. <laughs> One of us usually walks away crying. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to Timely, the Randomonium podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you uh, like listening to us ramble and s kind of argue about <laughs> topics from the past, present, and future, be sure to subscribe. And if you are just listening to this, go li uh, go listen slash watch over yep. on our YouTube channel. It's called Timely Clips. And we've got you know uh, just videos of these little segments that we talk about. We've got some bonus clips. Yeah, I was going to say, some of them are exclusive. You That's can right. only see them on the YouTube channel. Yeah. It's youtube.com slash timelypodcast. Yeah, so leave a review. Uh, leave a comment. Whatever you can do in any of the areas helps all of those algorithms share this with other people who might like it. That's right. It helps a lot, actually. I mean, people don't really... I know that's cliche to say, hit the like button and subscribe and all this stuff that we say as creators, but it really does go a long way to help. Um, not everybody can you know, support things financially. Um, if, if you can, we have a Patreon. Shout out. But if you can't, just hit the like button. Um, leave a comment. Share it with a friend. That, Watch it all the way through. That's true. That's Don't true. skip the ads. There's so many free ways you can support your creators. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys for uh, for joining us this far. If you've made it this far, all all three of you. Um, we'll see you guys. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time on Timely. Peace. Later.